Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. David Clay. What does change look like? How does change manifest itself in terms of counseling, Christian counseling, transformation, transfiguration? Good question. If we don't know what it looks like, even as we might be going through it, if we're not aware of its intentioned outcome, uh, then we may not want to do it. <laughs> There's a lot to be said uh, in the industry or the work of uh, changing people, um, helping individuals, my profession, my line of work, um, counseling psychology or psycho psychological counseling, Christian counseling, helping people make change. There's a lot to be said, though, for people understanding, the person understanding what it looks like, lest they get caught up in what we call resistance. And specifically, it's resistance to the effort to change them. <laughs> now, again, that's all common sense. It's all logical. Um, not hard to comprehend, except when you're going through it. And as you're going through it, you oftentimes lose perspective. Perspective is that ability to see it, maybe at least from two dimensions, in it, from the vantage point of going through it, experiencing it, experiencing it, as well as then outside it, change, the process, transformation, transfiguration, uh, psychological counseling. From the outside, the perspective is different. It's a different vantage point. One can look at it from the outside and say, okay, here is where you are at. This is what I see from outside. My perspective, my vantage point is much better than yours just because you're so in it or inside of it or enmeshed in it that you can't see it. It's the old adage, you can't see the forest for the trees. Or people look at forests, I guess, from different perspectives. Some people see big picture, the entirety of the forest. Some people see it from a very narrow or narrowed scope of just the individual tree. Needless to say, if it's a matter of seeing from point A to point B in understanding how we're going to get to where we want to get to, therein the goal of the change the intention of the change, the desired end of the process that represents transformation, transfiguration, and again, specifically to my line of work, context of my line of work, psychological counseling. If you can't assist the person to step outside of their vantage point or their perspective long enough to understand what's next, not knowing what's next, especially as you're going through change, can be not only pretty scary, but in being frightening, a formidable obstacle to overcome. After all, in change, you're giving up something that you have for something that, yet you, that you have yet to claim or have. And maybe even though you think it's a good idea, Maybe even if you are convinced it will work, as the old other old saying or another old saying might go, seeing is entirely believing. If you can't see it, if you've not gone through it, if it's new territory or even if it's old territory, we all are constantly changing. From the day we are born to the day we die, Life is filled full of daily change, moment-by-moment moment change. 
demand, uh, for us to adapt, to make adjustments uh, in an immediate sort of way, maybe then not with such dramatic end results, but over the course of a life, lifetime, what we end up with is a lot different than what we began with in so, so, so many obvious ways. But if you come to see someone like me and you say, I want to get to this place, maybe it's overcoming worry, apprehension, maybe you're prone to sadness, melancholy, uh, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's um, other behavioral problems, I can't get my work done. I um, am doing something, being something I'm not supposed to be. Uh, getting back to the Christian uh, or not moving too far away from the Christian. Uh, it's not what I know I'm supposed to be in Christ. It's not what the Bible tells me I should do. It's not what I believe that God's telling me I should do. Uh, it's not a good relationship with my family or my friends um, I always get in trouble legally with the law. Whatever it is, I want to change. That's good, right? Coming to see someone then for assistance in changing is not only good, it may be good as well as it might be also necessary getting back to how we began today's podcast. Because when you're in the middle of it, you can't see it as well as when you're on the outside looking at it or into it. Why? Because when you're in the middle of it, you are in the middle, I suppose, of all those things that are going on also inside of you. You're trying to think through it. You're trying to manage the emotions. You're trying to uh, come up with a plan, a strategy. Uh, usually when change, people come in for help with change or assistance, it's because there is, once more, some demand attached to it. It needs to be done when? Now. Why? Because it's causing me distress. Now, is all distress pain? Probably not. But in some ways, everything that has distress attached to it will eventually result in some discomfort, which can be painful. It is probably then pain that motivates most of us to do what we need to do in terms of making those adjustments, adaptations. If it doesn't hurt badly enough or cause us enough distress, most people are probably not going to find motive to do it. Pain is an emotion. Yes, we see it as a bad emotion, but really it's a good emotion if it results in change. And the change is good. And the change is not only adaptive for the situation you're in, as with example, to remove the distress and the pain, which may be the base motive. Maybe all change is predicated on something as simple and elemental as Oh, this hurts. I need to do something different. But in the end, oftentimes what we see in terms of the immediate relief of pain or distress can sometimes, we see it in a longer term, more down the road, sort of scope, more objective, sort of perspective again, and we can see how all oh, this is going to make us a better person. But for most of us, that is also oftentimes, or if not oftentimes, very often, if not very often, most often, missing. That's why we need help. Because it's difficult for us to see it from both sides. That's quite a jump from what I'm feeling, what I'm going through subjectively, internally inside of me to stepping outside of all of that so I can see it in more objective terms outside of me and I can see it hopefully with a reduction or if not reducing, only reducing, eliminating so much of the feelings, 
so much of the distress, so much of the pain. And with that, the impulse, the imminent desire, the I want it to stop now sort of dimension of that. We oftentimes call that instrumental. You have to go through some pain that goes along with change to get to the place that you want to get to. I don't know if all change in life has to have pain attached to it. It does have to have some threat or demand, again, because you know what you know, and really, in some ways, that may keep you there. If you know what you know, you may not want to. You may not find ever find sufficient motive to say to yourself, uh, I'm going to leave this behind for something that I think is a good idea, once more, uh, or you've convinced me this is the better way, or even as with God's word, this is what you're supposed to be. But God, if I do that, I'm going to let go of this. And how do I know I'm not going to die in the process? And I don't know if it's that extreme. How do I know it's not going to hurt more? Or how do I know that in the end, when I get to where I think I want to be, it's going to be better than where I'm at? Especially in light of this fact, and we've already said it in today's podcast, change is daily. Distress, then, is going to be a daily occurrence. And with that, you're probably every day going to have at least a moment, probably several moments of not only distress, but some of them may end up being quite painful. And if it doesn't go away, or if you're not able to go through the process, if something stops you from moving through the process, then you're going to get stuck there. Now, again, we've identified even in today's podcast two primary obstacles. <laughs> it's yourself. That's the biggest obstacle. I don't want to go through it. It's scary. I'm not sure it's going to work. I think it's going to work. God tells me it's going to work. The word of the God, the word of God, as in the biblical presentation, word of life, promises it will work. But I don't believe it. My flesh doesn't believe it. I don't have sufficient then courage or faith to face it. So I'm just going to stay here. Maybe it'll go away. <laughs> Maybe it'll disappear. And sometimes that does happen. Some demands, I suppose we should call them, probably at this point, could call them threats. Uh, we've already identified the potential that some of them could kill you. Probably not most will. You might think you're going to die. So that sounds threatening. Most of those things, however, are not necessarily long-term sort of dimension or in long-term sort of dimension going to be there throughout our life. Although there are certainly illnesses and diseases and certain environmental and situational and circumstantial, circumstantial um, scenarios, um, presentations, for lack of a better word, that really won't go away so easily or quickly. Some have enemies or adversaries that's doing that with intention to do just what we're discussing, keep you stuck. The biggest adversary that we know of from the Bible, the biblical standpoint, is the devil. He loves to keep you stuck. You don't get to be what God's called you to be and receive, hence, all the blessings that God has in store for you if the devil holds you up. Now, not everything that holds you up is of the devil. There's some things in life that just are preemptive, but even then... That can't stop us from adapting. It just can stop us from doing the thing that we are familiar with or would think is maybe, just maybe, the easiest route. Now, not saying again that everything that we would want in life, we always think of it in terms of easy because obviously everything that we get in life has some degree of work attached to it. But when somebody says you cannot be a basketball player because you're not tall enough or you don't have physical abilities 
or you're not going to be president of the United States, if anybody wants to be that anymore, I don't know, or whatever it is. You, you may want to uh, do something else with your life, but your, your giftings, your talents are not in that direction. Those individuals who do have giftings and talents that are turned in that direction, they still have to work. They have to earn it, I would believe. Most do. Maybe they just luck into it. I suppose there's probably some individuals that are so gifted and talented where the situation and circumstance, again, turns in such a way that they're an automatic. But I do believe to hold on to it for sure, certainly, you have to understand there is a need to work, to keep growing, to learn how to manage it, to be able to do it appropriately as again. What is that? Adaptively as again. What is that? Every day your body changes. Even athletes get old. They can't do that same thing 10 years from now that they can do now. So the notion is probably none of us leave this life without having to address this issue. Go do something you're good at, though, to lessen that, and certainly don't go against what God's call or plan is for your life, but realizing even in God's call and plan for your life, if it's a physical dimension, it's going to change. And with that, probably should be said, in a physical sort of way, the end can be better than the beginning, should be, would be, in Christ Jesus, but in a physical sense, it's not. Your body eventually fails, period. So this notion of change, transformation, comes to us all. Transfiguration comes to us all, just not always in the same way. But when you're going through it, all of us probably then at some level, as we go through it, have gotten to a point where we don't think we're going to make it. We don't think we can do this thing. It's, again, going to kill us. I don't have the resources. Yes, God, I know that you want me to do this. How do I know? It's in the Old and New Testament, written word, but you're telling me inside. The Holy Spirit is speaking through my conscience. I need to change whatever the manifestation whatever the outward sort of signs, evidences of that, the distress, the troublesome nature of your life in a physical sort of way, whatever the threat, whatever the demand, God wants you to have victory over it. But he's saying basically victory is to adapt and to change, but not just change or adapt, taking the easiest route, but oftentimes the kind of adaptation or the adjustment is a very difficult one, and especially if we measure and put it within the context or standard of all life ends with less physically than what we either start with or as we would be able to maintain some balance to it, eventually we start losing more than we gain. That's the way the natural works. That's all part of God's creativity. It's all the way that he keeps things moving in a lively sort of way, in an animated sort of way, in natural regard. We're no different, our flesh, that is. But when you know you need to change and you don't feel like you can do it, or when you're in the middle of all of it, the emotions and the thoughts, the threat is coming upon you, you sometimes, if not most of us, at least at one or two or three critical moments in our life, start to doubt. We start to disbelieve. And we need some encouragement to overcome. Who better to encourage you when you can't see the end because you're in the middle of all the struggle from the inside where all the turmoil is, where your mind is going in a million different directions because you're really not sure now where to go. Things may be coming so fast and furious as well from the outside, from a threat or demand standpoint. You can't keep up with it. 
You're laying in bed awake at night because your mind is going a million miles a minute, as if it could travel. Uh, I suppose it could in terms of covering a lot of terrain when it comes to thoughts. And they're all seemingly running together. And they're in that proverbial blender of things. And nothing is making sense. And your body can't shut down because the threat is so upon you. The oppression is so upon you. The adversary seemingly is coming so against you. He does not want you to change or adapt. And you're supposed to believe you're going to make it. Now, it takes strength to do that. Now, one, you have the Holy Spirit in you, whether you're a believer or not. But if you're a believer, then you're going to agree with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in you. And He is your paraclete, your helper, to inspire, to encourage, to give you supernatural strength to overcome. Even if the supernatural part of that is Everything in you says it's not going to happen. He delivers inspiration, more than emotion, but inspiration to continue. Not only to continue to believe in the promise again of God, but that in the end, if you will continue, if you will overcome, there will be a blessing that goes along with that. But he also, God, gives us people, individuals, Maybe. I hope me. That's what I do. I committed my life to doing this. I hope me. I believe me. I believe that God has called me to this. To encourage. To say, wait a minute. I can see it from out here. I have the best vantage point of perspective. I have all familiarity with what things like this look like. Whether it's personal, which how could it not be? I'm human. Or as with working with so many individuals, seeing it in such the way, studying for this specific purpose and intention, I get to help the Holy Spirit as he helps you. Now, I'm not Elihu. And for for those of you who may know what I'm speaking of or who I'm speaking of, Elihu was the person or the entity whether it was person or not, the entity that brought Job into the presence of God. Elihu did not answer Job's questions. He did not fix Job's situation. Only God could do that. But Elihu, E-L-I-H-U, which, by the way, derivative of Elohim, which is God, was able to assist Job to know where his answer lay. And it was in the presence of God. It was in the conversation of God. Not that Job was presumptive to think he was righteous enough to have a conversation with God. Maybe more so, he just needed a conversation with something. Someone, God has personage, some entity, some power that had total, complete authority, supreme authority to tell him, Job, you're not going to die. This thing looks bad. I get it. Your friends, all your friends have no answers. Of course, they've not gone through what you've gone through. How could they give you an answer? They could encourage you as much as they understood then what it was like to operate out of what they did know. And fortunately, again, God is a God of grace, mercy, benevolence, blessing. It is forgiveness. God always gives in advance, and he gives with abundance, and he never takes back. We're the ones, though, (laughs) that quit along the way. That's the obstacle. We are our greatest obstacle especially as the adversary might get into our head and convince us this thing is not going to work. You might as well just, as Job's wife said, curse God and die. No, I'm not going to do that. But I do need sometimes someone to remind me of that. And it helps if I've got somebody there I can talk to. And it also helps if that somebody there I can talk to is not judging me. 
and reminding me of how much of a sinner I am. I know my weakness. More than probably, they know their weakness. They're not in the midst of it. Or if they do, they do because they have been and they understand what this is all about, change, and how that takes place. But much like Job's friends, many people would want to live even though they may know in a state of self-righteousness simply because they do not want to admit to themselves more so than anybody else, and I suppose to themselves because, again, that's probably the only person they could lie to sufficient to even get any traction on that, that they're never going to have to go through something like that again. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We all have something we have to go through if it is only our mortality. But all these little lessons along the way build up virtue and character. If we overcome, if we work through, if we don't quit, if we don't give up, if we stay the course, if we follow God's word, if we're obedient under the word, even if we can't hear the Holy Spirit, we can't register the Holy Spirit speaking to us from within, possibly so at that moment, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to say anything more than he said. And what does he usually say? Don't quit. Do not give up. The moment you quit is when it's over. Well, unfortunately, that's not true. Because it really, even then, isn't over. <laughs> You've got the rest of whatever your life might be. Because this thing probably isn't going to kill you. And then you're going to suffer the shame and guilt of being a coward. <laughs> I don't know how better to say it. Don't be a coward. Be smart. Don't do stupid things. Don't set yourself up for extra pain. Don't do things you know. Common sense tells you, don't do it. It's, it's not worth it. But if it's one of those things that you know that God's telling you you have to do, measure it materially. It's, it's by the Old Testament. It's one of those things that is obviously not working for you. And if you track it down, you trace it, you look at it, you prophetically, <laughs> and his word gives us this ability, the Old Testament word gives us this ability, we know where it's going to end up. How do we know? Because we're no different than all of those individuals that are written about in the Old Testament. They're human. We're human. How are we going to be better than them? Yes, maybe there's more knowledge. Yes, maybe there's more this or maybe more that. Maybe the world's more civilized. I mean, those are factors. Thank God. But there's no answer to mortality. My, I guess, prediction I want to say prophetic word, but I'll use the word prediction, is that there never will be. Why not that we might not sustain life somewhere, somehow, somebody? It had to be by God's benevolence again, grace, mercy, his forgiveness, his love for us. He's brought many people back from the dead. Sickness, illness, diseases, we've overcome so many. Our medical procedures, even if you just measure them in terms of human, scientific, empirical sort of knowledge, God has given us insight and wisdom to overcome so many things. The one thing, though, that we have to allow him to help us do is overcome fear. Why? Because carnally, it is in us to be afraid, not in us to be faithful, courageous, brave. It takes the word of God to give us that strength. Now, I'm not saying some people aren't stubborn. I'm not saying some people aren't so determined or self-willed. I'm not saying some people haven't figured out how to turn their feelings off and just do it. I'm just saying, in the end, bottom line, 
is that if it were left up to us, there would be no virtue in this world, no courage in this world, only cowardice, no true willingness to face whatever the adversary situation and circumstance would present to us with the kind of confidence that we know no matter what it is that happens to us, we are going to be one day, if not also immediately now, as it would take this to be able to face it in this manner, fear, threat, demand, that we will be with the Lord. We're never going to die. I am never going to die. My spirit of courage is never going to die. There'll be so many things that would come against it, but that spirit, the Holy Spirit, as again, because I am a Christian, because I am saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, because I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, he gives me the strength to face even my end, my mortality. That's important. I don't have to be afraid. I'm not stupid. <laughs> Again, I'd like to say it that way because it makes the point. It's kind of dramatic, maybe overly dramatic, but it makes the point. Use your brain. But your brain is not going to talk you out of fear. Fear will always overtake even your good common sense. Fear has such power in a primitive sort of way, and the way the brain works to deal with threat and demand psychologically of this magnitude and proportion, it, the emotion, will always win out over your reasoning and your rationality, except that you would have a power in you greater than even your brain, your rationality, your reasoning, your empiricism. I said at the beginning, it could be a good idea. Sounds right. Seems like it would make sense. But why do people fail? Why do they not get better? Why do they come and see me? And again, I'm offering them certainly all the knowledge that I have, all the training I have, all the experience again I have, not only in change, but I'm a specialist in all the problems. That's what I've gone to school for. That's what my doctorate is in. Counseling psychology, Christian counseling psychology, but counseling psychology. I know these things. It's ministry, but it's also psychology. It's what I do. I am well-equipped. I am familiar. I know, but I can't change you. Neither can you change you. But what I can do is I can assist you in understanding what it looks like, what the process appears to be. And I can remind you when you're in the throes of all of those negative, fear, anxious, fight or flight sort of emotions, hold in there. Don't give up. It's going to get better. That's important. We need to know that. That's when our Savior appears. Now, does he appear in the sense of the Holy Spirit? He already has. He's already come back. He's the Holy Spirit in us. Will he appear again in a natural, material sort of dimension, or at least manifestation, I believe so. I believe the book of Revelation captures that. But even the book of Revelation, people have a hard time with that. They look at that and they say, what in the world is going on? And then they get scared. And when they get scared, what happens? Based on today's program, they go crazy. <laughs> they, they lose all common sense. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's too complicated. I don't want to read that. I don't want to hear that. Oh, I don't, oh, it's horrible. It's terrible. Because there's a lot of bad things, I would say, 
in a natural sort of regard, we would all look at them, at least superficially so, as this isn't pleasant. <laughs> Again, this is distress. This is just what people call it, tribulation. <laughs> this is not good. There's all kinds of death and dying in this. Well, get this. There has been from the beginning of humanity. Probably from the beginning of time. There's always been some dimension of that. That's the way the natural world works. But if you can accept that, then maybe you can get past one of the primary triggers of fear. Now, yes, fear can bring you healthy fear, respect for the the implications can bring you to the cross. It can, in a way nothing else can, highlight the need for salvation in Jesus Christ. But it alone is not going to be a sufficient enough basis for you to claim all that God has in store for you. And if you just live in fear, you're going to still live in torment. You may be saved. Jesus saves. You accept him as Lord and Savior. That is a better thing than rejecting him. And that's what the word says. That's all that is necessary to be saved. But don't walk in fear. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Know the victory now when it probably could advantage you, at least in material terms, the most. (laughs) Courage is for here and now. Faith is for here and now. It's not for the hereafter. The hereafter, you're there. It's done. It's finished. It's your reward. Again, you're with God eternally. You've been part of the win. You've been part of the virtue. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to use you, to bring to you an awareness of good worship, working for God, doing his work upon this earth, entering into Christ's work. There is a reward for you. It's called heaven. And in heaven, there's even more. There's even more reward. Again, getting to the book of Revelation, there is a judgment where you will be rewarded for your efforts in this world to further the kingdoms of God. So don't live in fear. Don't just get by. Don't be afraid of the next challenge. Don't see all challenges as an attempt to destroy you, that you're somehow not going to survive. And even if you don't attribute that to God, saying he's doing this to you, which unfortunately a lot of people, including Christians, think God has it out for them. Crazy thought. No more so that it's part of natural life. It is part of developing and refining, not necessarily solving every situation and circumstance. Not all of them will be solved or resolved. And not everyone is going to be, is going to turn out the way you want them to or think that God would want them to. But what it will do in the end always work out to the glory of God, and if you're part of God in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it, you get to share in that a bit. That's part of your win. But more than that, what it teaches us is in experience, experiential terms, what it is to overcome challenge, to not be afraid at least to the point where we freeze up or refuse to go forward. All that will get you is death. You get no reward for that, except that you would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then why would you want to be on the bubble, as they say, or sort of straddling the fence on that? I think Jesus does make that clear uh, whatever the measure is, wherever the line, the plumb line, the line is drawn, you're either for him or against him. You cannot straddle the fence. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You're either progressing or you're regressing. You're either getting healthier, even though your body is 
passing on, passing away, all the physical, emotional, psychological, even more so human, generic, sort of spiritual dimensions of who we are, those are all going to pass away. Accept it, face it. But also accept this then. The answer isn't then in that. The answer is in spirit, but not just human spirit, human courage, although I said earlier there's some who would demonstrate that. It's God's spirit. It's Holy Spirit. It's faith. It's courage to overcome based on the promises of God, the word of God unto eternal life in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That is the only way through the valley of the shadow of death, as David would have described it. And yes, you go see your psychological counselor or you receive psychological counseling from your counseling psychologist, and maybe it's not going to end up killing you. But there's conviction there you wouldn't be in that person's office. And it may seem like whatever it is, and that's okay, You're important enough. You're special enough. God loves you uniquely enough. You can feel like it's all about you. (laughs) But truthfully, it's not. We all have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. My job is to encourage you. That's what the book of Revelation is about. It doesn't have to scare you to death. It's just a change process. John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, was consolidating all that not only he had experienced of transformation and transfiguration, but it was anointed of the Holy Spirit. And it always is going to have a prophetic dimension to it because it is. It is the mechanism of sanctification, whether we measure it in a moment or in regards to eternity. It is no different. It is Jesus Christ. The process, the Holy Spirit, they are one and the same. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they are one and the same. They are one and the same with God. The Old and New Testament are one and the same. They overlap perfectly. Why? Because it is the same change process. The Word just calls it sanctification. And where is it applicable most for humans? Obviously, it's in our humanity. God applies it in natural dimension, whether we're human or not. It's creativity. It's how he conducts business. It is his work in this world, the natural world. But it's all Holy Spirit. And once we are void or free of this material, once I say void, once that's removed, from us, the dimension of physicality, you're not going to suffer loss. It it is still there, but you're now the spirit of life. You are not subject to going through the natural dimensions. You need help while you're still subject to the natural. That's when you need saving. That's when redemption, his creative aspect of the redemption, redemption within context of his creative dynamic, really is resurrection. Now, eventually it's resurrection as with going on to be with the Lord. It's probably, as I best understand the word, it's a new creation, new creature, new, new, new creation that God then brings back to some physical dimension. The Holy Spirit, again, we as one now with the Holy Spirit, as we've passed on, we're going to come back as Christ. But in an eternal sort of realm, in a solely spiritual realm, you aren't going to suffer anymore. The pain isn't going to be there. The tribulation will have no further uh, way of, of, of affecting you, I suppose. That's a good way of saying it. It doesn't apply. That's the best way of saying it. Why? Because you're not bound to the flesh anymore. The book of Revelation highlights that. There's all those things. 
There's white, red, black, pale horses. There's God's law. There's the removal of that sort of sense of peace, although it may be a false sense of peace on this earth. There is obviously then a judgment. This thing is not going to work. There has to be a death. Something has to die. There's even at that point of that something dying, two ways to go. There's the saints who are crucified as Christ was crucified. And with that, there are those that choose not Christ who are also then going to end up worse even than physical death, eternally dead. But what it is, it's the removal of elimination or removal or elimination of evil in this world. It's the elimination of all that corrupts. Do we have to wait to the end times? No, it's going on right now. Do we have to then be scared of the end times? No more than we have to be scared of sanctification now. The word of God is sure and true. You're going to come out of this. You're going to win. Jesus wins. God wins. Heaven is the win. Not only then, after you leave this body, but now. Enjoy it now. The seals will be broken, and that's really what all that was about, the seven seals. But, but even so, when you're going through it, that's what it's like. There's stages, you could call them stages, of transformation, transfiguration. The seals are the beginning and end of each unique stage in the sanctification process. It has bigger implications, of course, when you look at it within the magnitude of all of humanity and humankind and this world and all of civilization and all that's gone into it. But really, what is all that? except human construction. We were given time and space by God so that we might then have some reference to be able to look at all this change so we would know what we're going through when we're going through it. You'll know the signs of the time and the seasons that you're in. But I do that in my counseling office every day. I help the individual I'm working with to understand where they are in that transformation process. Yes, on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, as change comes, as demand for change comes, as that implicit sort of fear would rise up, this is the way that we neutralize it, remove it. But that's what sanctification is. It removes all the corruption I want to instill and inspire courage. I do so by helping people remember, see it with the clarity of the word of God. Remember as in hopefully they've read it, heard it somewhere. Otherwise, they would not have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior if they did not know the Old Testament and the conclusion of that. And then then in that, the need for a a Savior, salvation. But just because the rest of the world is still struggling with it as a Christian, you don't have to be afraid of it. You have victory in Christ. You not only have victory in Christ, you are probably right now as you are a Christian, that is your work. Your salt and light. What's salt worth if it loses its flavor or savor? What's light if it's hidden under a bushel basket? You have a ministry of reconciliation. Be courageous. Be confident. Don't be afraid. Now, how often do you need to be told this? Probably as many times as you go through change. The Word does it constantly. The Holy Spirit, He comforts you as well as uh, guides you, leads you, directs you. The paraclete, He helps you. He assists you. He is Christ Jesus alive within you. Christ Jesus comes to life through the Holy Spirit within you. 
All part of God's plan. You are redeemed. You are resurrected already. But one day there'll be an actual, complete, physical resurrection. At least the death of you physically will allow there to be another new creation come forth out of that. And it will be Jesus as he comes back in the book of Revelation. I know how to help you get through that. That's what I do. And if you trust me and you trust the word of God and you trust the Holy Spirit that otherwise has not only convicted you to come in, but has already directed you to the resource, to the place you need to go, the person you need to speak to, If you have faith and courage, it's not just a good idea. It's not that maybe it'll work for somebody else, but it'll never work for me. It's that it has to work for all of us because that really is Christ. It doesn't take 50 saviors, 50 million saviors. It takes one, and there is then one way. Thankfully, it doesn't have to be any more complicated. It doesn't make it easy But there's an assurance. If Jesus did it and showed it and did so as with mortality, even within him, his physical body, if he says it works, we know because we have the testimony of the resurrected and risen Savior alive within us. We have witnesses that saw him. He will come again to prove once and for all it was nothing less than absolute, total truth, then we just need to find the courage, but not of ourselves, but of Christ in us. I can help you do that. Should you want to contact me, there's an email. I uh, post it on all of the podcasts. And should you not want to contact me that way, I really sincerely, truly would want to invite you back to the next podcast. And I'm sure, again, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things from a lot of different angles, a lot of different directions, but really they're all going to come back again to Jesus. Until then, uh, have a blessed week, month. I'll see you soon.